one, or two, or three, or four, but five, force five. Welcome to the Force 5 Podcast, a show where I challenge my guests to come up with a movie-themed five list, and then we discuss those lists on air. I'm your host, Kleberg, and today my guest is Nate Spears, comedian and co-host of the Trash Podcast. Tell us a little bit about you, Nate Spears. Hi, um, my name is Nate Spears, uh, Bay Area comedian, been doing comedy for like eight years now, about, um, and... During the pandemic, I uh, needed something to do, so I started a podcast with my girlfriend, who is also a comedian that I live with named Sarah Jan Bruno, called The Trash, where we basically just skewer like uh, trash reality TV and anything that we deem trash and like pop culture today. That's awesome. I have had this podcast called Trash too, but it's actually the name of yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's a it's a good thing. It's a it's one of the benefits of having a podcast named the trash is if people call it trash, then it's just a compliment, you know. So yeah, yeah, it's just a fact. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. So um, why don't you tell us about the well? Actually, before you talk about what list you chose, uh, let's kind of get a litmus test for you. So if somebody was to say, like, you know, what are some of your favorite movies of all time? What what are they? Uh so the. Funny story, number one is Pulp Fiction, which I know you got the title of this podcast from. Um, yes. And I actually, every single year for my birthday, I watch Pulp Fiction as a tradition. I watched it last Saturday, which was my birthday. Um, so that's like my favorite movie. And then other than that, I'm, I'm really into actually like French New Wave films and kind of older like Italian films. So like uh, anything from Godard is like, like uh breathless is one of my favorites uh the the original not the uh richard gear remake i think <laughs> um and uh also a movie called eva deloni from uh frederico fellini is like my, one of my favorite movies of all time but yeah i have like an eclectic taste though i like all kinds of movies a lot of gangster crime films i think very cool and uh the topic that you chose to force us to come up with a with a list for is five great third films in a franchise so we're gonna see the uh the threequels we're gonna tackle good threequels or threequels that we like in a series what what made you land on that topic i honestly don't know i am um trying to practice like improv so i just came up with this is the first thing i thought of so i just said it and i wrote it and after i wrote it i was like oh this is a lot harder than i thought it was gonna be but whatever you know I'll roll with it. Yeah, it was a bit of a challenge, <laughs> but I think I got five. I got five that uh, I think are some pretty solid picks and some that I actually revisited this week and just confirmed. Nice. They are great movies. So we'll get to that soon. But first, we're going to talk about what we have been watching lately. I watched two movies from the 70s. And the first one I'm going to talk about is from 1973. It's called The Candy Snatchers. We'll take it. It started as a simple crime, the candy snatchers. For them, it was a new beginning. For her, it was the beginning of the end. <laughs> Three losers who wanted to lead the good life, the candy snatchers. They'd do anything to get there. Uh, please don't 
candy snatchers. They were rough on candy. They were rougher on themselves. Get out of my way! Get out of my way! Get out of my way! <laughs> They were after a fortune in diamonds. We cut off her ear. And they sent her father a piece of candy in a box. Oh, my God, no! The candy snatchers. They did things they couldn't even believe themselves. That is sick. That is really sick. She is old enough to be your mother. Now, the reason... Um... I want to talk about these two movies in particular. Uh, they have a common theme that I, I think is kind of lost in today's movies. And I know that as a fan of kind of some older cinema, you understand this as well. A lot of movies in the past had these theme songs that were made just for that one movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of miss that. Now we have a lot of these yeah. songs that they're made for that movie, but they're also made to be on the radio. yeah. Nowadays, it's just like mu music curation. It's like someone just finds a bunch of cool songs and throws it in there, you know? Yeah, or they'll do like uh, these like kind of zany covers of old songs just to yeah. stick it in there. But <laughs> yeah, this this movie, The Candy Snatchers, has its own theme song. And I know that on your show, you do a lot of kind of zany theme songs and cover songs. So these would be right up your alley. Nice. I, I like that you did your research. <laughs> of course, I had to listen to the Trash <laughs> Podcast, find out what it was all about. I know you had a Brandon Santos reference on there, which I appreciate. I did, yeah. <laughs> he he paid me for a song, so yeah, we, we did a song for him. <laughs> so. I'm going to pay you for a song, too, and I'm going to make you do a song about uh, French New Wave films. That's what my theme is going to be. We will do anything. That's our <laughs> motto. So. Um, well, the Candy Snatchers, they would do anything as well to get money. Um, here's the the tagline for the, the Candy Snatchers. It's about these three kidnappers who kidnap this girl named Candy, the daughter of a manager of a diamond store. And their perfect crime, as they put it, is to kidnap this girl and they're going to extort the manager to put all the diamonds that are over a certain amount of carrots and they're going to exchange the diamonds for the girl and they're just going to live large for the rest of their lives. But <laughs> like most crime movies, the kidnapping and ensuing caper does not go as planned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this one uh, was given a great disc treatment by Vinegar Syndrome. Um, this thing looks fantastic. Overall, though, I just I did not love. I didn't love the movie. It's one of those 70s movies where it's. There's the kidnappers are two guys and one girl. And you get immediately you get the sense that these people have known each other for a long time. And then yeah. about halfway through the film, you, you kind of question that like, wait, these people don't really know each other at all. <laughs> Were there any uh, notable stars in it or no? No, it's OK. I guess if, one of if those. you're into like, like 70s kind of uh, exploitation style yeah, movies, yeah. Jordan, Gordon Trueblood, it was the director um, who did a lot of those type of movies. But. I've never dove. I never dove too far into the exploitation. The only one I really ever kind of got into was the coffee or like any of the Pam, uh, Pam Greer movies. Oh yeah, black exploitation. Yeah, black exploitation. Yeah, that's yeah. 
which I, I, I love that genre too. And my next one is kind of uh, falls into an exploitation category too, but um, this one's, this one's a little bit uh, subdued for uh, it's, it's a lot of times it's called an exploitation movie and I don't really think it is. It's just kind of a miserable time though. Every, but every person in the movie is a piece of shit. Is it a comedy or like a like from the title? I honestly can't tell like what it is. <laughs> oh, it's definitely a, a drama. Okay, it's a drama. <laughs> yeah, and the reason it's called the Candy Snatchers is because the girl they they kidnap her name is Candy. Oh. Uh, and okay. originally it was called the Candy Snatch, and then they realized that sounds too much like a porn film, so we'll call it the Candy Snatchers. Uh, it's it's got those seventies tropes where it that you see a lot in exploitation movies where you've got the girl and the two guys and they say, okay, we got to make this guy really evil. So what are we going to have him be? And they'll say, well, he's going to be a rapist. All right. And the second guy, we need him to be evil, but like less evil. So what should we do with him? And they say, well, he's going to be a rapist too, (laughs) but a sympathetic rapist. And it's like, Oh God, it's, there's some tough stuff to watch in here. This one is um, really famous for, being very hard to find for a very long time until Vinegar really? Syndrome put it out. Yeah, it was huh. one of those that was bootlegged on YouTube for a long time. That's the only place you could find it. Wow. So if you're that person that's like, well, I've heard of the Candy Snatchers. I've just never seen it and I've never had the opportunity. Now's the time. I mean, Vinegar Syndrome's disc looks awesome. It has a full length commentary. It's got an interview with the director. It looks great. I can't I can't unhear the candy snatch now. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, my favorite thing about it, like I said, at the very top is the theme song. The theme song is great. It's uh, money is the root of all happiness. And it's this kind of country ish, uh, like really late 60s pop sound. Oh, what a shame. That the candy girl was made to play the game But the need and greed for money Makes a man act kind of funny Makes him dream Feel the green And it's so good And then the rest <laughs> of the movie is kind of the. I'll give the ending credit I think the ending is if you can get to the ending, the last 15 minutes are really fun and really kind of crazy. But there's a this subplot with a kid that's maybe four or five years old and he doesn't talk. And it literally, you could take out every scene with that kid and it would not make a difference for the movie or the plot. <laughs> and I hate things like that. So yeah, I, I can't, I find it tough to recommend the Candy Snatchers. But if you really want to see this one, get the Vinegar Syndrome disc because it's it's a great presentation. I kind of want to watch it now. I love movies that are like either like bad enough that you kind of like it's like it's it's like watching an accident, you know, like you it's it's fun. One not fun, not that it's fun to watch accidents, but you get what I'm saying. Like you you can't look away. Like I still I want to watch it like now. So what's something you've been watching lately? Uh does it have to be movies? I've actually oh, been absolutely not. I've been binging uh, Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Who's there? What was that? The end of the world, November 25th, 
And where am I now? Dallas, 10 days earlier. I need to find my family. First off, I want to say we brought the end of the world back here with us. Oh my god, again? My cult is going to be so pissed. I told him we had until 2019. We have until Monday. I've heard a lot of good things about this recently, but I have not seen it yet. Yeah, it's a great show. Um, it's very weird. Um, and it's it's like it's a good show for people who don't really like superhero films because it's it's more of a I feel like the TV shows that do superhero stuff are a little bit more um, for the mainstream than the movies. Because the movies are, like, aiming at, like, the geeks, like, the nerds that, like, you know, read the comics as kids and whatever. But shows like The Umbrella Academy, I think it's it has a wide enough kind of... It's just funny and, like, biting, and it makes fun of, like, the superhero genre, sort of. Like, one of those things, you know? Is this based on any property that came before it? it? was based on a comic book written by um i don't remember his name but he was like either the lead singer or guitar player of my chemical romance he wrote a comic book and then they made it into a netflix show huh yeah and this is the one with uh ellen page right yes yes which i think was i think she was i i would highly recommend it i i do think that ellen page was miscast i think she's kind of weird in this role um, she she does this really stoic thing where she's always just like kind of blank face and like it's just I don't know I, I just don't really like her performance and I think they could have gotten someone better but other than that it's a great show great show yeah and you can find this one on Netflix correct yes it's on Netflix the se- the second season just came out so if you haven't watched the first I would watch that it's really good all right cool that's Umbrella Academy um, I've got one other thing that I've been watching and. Again, from the 70s, again, with its own theme song. And this is one when you said you want to, you know, sometimes you like to watch things that are kind of so bad that they're good. This one is one that I want you to watch immediately. (laughs) Okay. We're going to stop this podcast and start it up in two hours after you've watched this show. (laughs) This is from 1977. It's a movie that you can find on Amazon Prime right now. It's called Death Promise. Rich and powerful landlords are forcing helpless tenants out of their homes, and they'll use any means to throw them out in the street. E. Bartley Alden, landlord. We must empty these buildings immediately if the deal will fall through, and we stand to lose millions of dollars. Emmanuel Jackson, landlord. Get him. Ain't that what I told you? I told you all this shit with lawyers was wasting our time. Abraham Mursky, landlord. So don't give him an ordinary payoff. Give him an extraordinary payoff. But let's get it done, for God's sakes. Clarence W. Ingstrom, landlord. You just can't come out and tell a judge of the state supreme court that you're having somebody murdered. Claudios Albano, landlord. People live in those buildings. People. And as crummy as those dumps are, they're people's homes. And don't forget it, mister. They're not leaving... And I'm not leaving. So you can take this here polite bribe and you can shove it up your polite ass. Death Promise. Starring Charles Bonnet, Tenet, Young, Strong, Deadly. Damn it. 
I want those names. Determined to stop them. Who sent you? Fight to the death. Oh, I've never heard of that. So Death Promise is when we talk about exploitation movies and then we talk about black exploitation movies. This is kind of a kung fu exploitation movie. Oh, okay. There's this apartment complex in New York City in the 70s. And it oh man, this New York here in the 70s looks so grungy and dirty and awesome to me. Mm-hmm. But there's this a big apartment complex and the landlords want to get everybody out of there because they want to sell the land that the building's on, but they can't sell the land unless everybody's out. And so they come up with uh, these tactics to try and drive people out. So like they'll cut the water off and then they'll cut the power off. And then they, they at one point release a giant bag of rats into the the (laughs) complex and they're doing all this stuff to try and get people out. And there's, you know, there's a couple of good citizens that are trying to, to fight this. And one of the people that runs the building is his son is this guy that's really into Kung Fu and his friend. And he, after something bad happens to the dad, they decide we're going to kill every one of these landlords. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But of course, it's the 70s and it's Kung Fu. So Mm -hmm. we can't just go kill these guys. We have to go up to this mountaintop and train with a Kung Fu monk to be the best (laughs) Kung Fu fighter we can. Yeah. You have to go on a mountain. Like there's there has to be a mountain always. It is. You you can't have a (laughs) Kung Fu master that does not live on top of a mountain. (laughs) So they go up. They you know, there's this ridiculous Kung Fu montage that this guy goes through to become the best Kung Fu fighter. And it's very kill bill in that he comes back with a written list and he starts crossing off names as he starts killing them. It's so ridiculous. It's so badly made to the point where at one point a dead body gets thrown off of a roof and screams on the way down. The dude's already dead, but he screams anyway. (laughs) They have countless extras in the background that are looking straight at the camera. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it was just like one take. We got it. Let's go. This is a movie that would be best watched with a beer and a gang of friends that are ready to have a good time. And the theme song, immediately the theme song kicks in. It's got this, uh, it's either a voiceover or a text scroll telling you what's going on, but Right when the song starts, you know, all right, I am in for a great time. It's so good. Uh, this is oh. Death Promise. You can find it on Amazon Prime. It is totally worth the watch. You'll have a blast watching this one. Can I ask a question? Have you ever seen a movie called The uh, Miami Connection? Yes, okay, I have. That, that's what I thought of when you were saying, when you were describing that movie. 
it's very much uh, that same spirit. It is God, like okay, okay, like you know these dudes thought they were making the best movie of all time, <laughs> and it's the, not. The best part of if so if if anyone hasn't seen Miami Connection, the best part of it is it's in the trailer. I think there's a black character in it, and he doesn't know who his dad is, of course, and he uh, he gets a letter in the mail. And he's like, he reads it, and the acting is amazing because he's all like, "My father, I found my father." He's like, "Oh my god!" It's like so crazy. It's like that's literally how it sounded, like how I just did it. Yeah, this best. one has acting along the same, around the same level of quality. Nice. And the tw- you know, there's some twists and turns that you'll see coming from a mile away, but it doesn't matter because they're so <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. I'm gonna watch that tonight. You should and uh, make it a date night movie. Okay. Uh, you have you been watching anything else? Um, really, just been binge watching uh, trash TV. Honestly, just because because of my podcast, the trash. Like I've been watching a lot of reality TV, like Ninety Day Fiance. I literally watch every iteration of Ninety Day Fiance. Which there's a lot. How do you stay sane? There's a lot. I I I don't know if I am sane. I don't know if I can legally say that I am. Um, but I I don't know. You just you just kind of have to balance it out. And you know, for every piece of shitty content you watch, you watch something that's like good. You know, just gotta balance. It's about balance. Yeah, and reality TV to me is like that. What you were talking about the car crash, you can't look away from, especially things like. I don't watch a whole lot of reality TV, but uh, I've seen some 90 Day Fiance. My dad is really uncharacteristically <laughs> into that because he normally wouldn't watch anything like that. And and then uh, the other one that I always liked, and I don't know if you've covered this yet on your show, is the the Hoarders series. We haven't yet. No. no. Yeah, that one's that one's something else. Can too. I ask a question? Who who made you watch 90 Day Fiance? So my dad really <laughs> for. So my dad's like this straight lace, barely watches TV. And when he does watch TV, it's traditionally like older crime shows. Yeah. And one day I went over to his house and all he and my stepmom would talk about is this show, <laughs> 90 Day Fiance. And I had no idea what it was. So he started telling me about it. And then while I was there, the new season started. And so I watched the first one and it, and I just I couldn't understand <laughs> I guess I can't understand that humans like that exist. Yeah. I I yeah. I don't know. Watching it, I don't even know if they do exist. I, I kinda think that they're all playing characters and they just know what they're doing, but I think I'm giving them too much credit. I don't know. <laughs> well if 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 they are <laughs> acting, then they're doing a damn good job of it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're capitalizing on the rest of our stupidity. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to the list. We are going to be doing the best third movie in a franchise. And like we said at the top, this was tougher than... It was tougher than I thought it was going to be, that's for sure. Yeah, like uh, I kind of went with ones that I like, uh, not really necessarily good films. So, yeah, just so you... (laughs) Yeah, and I can say there is definitely at least one on here that I would say is not really... It's definitely critically not appreciated at all, but um, I I love it. So, yeah, best threes. And like you said, there's not really a reason that you chose this one. It's just the first thing that popped into your mind. So, you know what? Let's get rolling. All right. 
so my first one um i chose mostly just because it had an interesting backstory and also i love the the movie itself but it was three ninjas kickback cold rocky and tum tum we're the three ninjas captain the three ninjas are back back on the trail 50 years ago i was just about your age of an ancient treasure there was a legend about the dagger could open the door to a cave of gold and these guys i want the dagger in my hands tomorrow are right behind them he's gone that means that the cabin's empty rock and roll let's murder them. Ingenuity, right? Well, this is ninjanuity. Come see us again. You have failed me. Take care of them. These guys were after the dagger. Wait, we gotta help Grandpa. Now, they're going to the land where the code of the ninjas began. Ow! A girl. You teach us ninja, and we'll teach you baseball. And the excitement. Where is the dagger? Never ends. Um, oh my gosh i can't even believe that there were three three ninjas movies there there were actually four technically but i don't count the fourth one so we'll just say that like to me it's a trilogy um but it's a very interesting um it's like i don't really know i I don't remember it too much because i watched it like a while ago and i didn't rewatch it but there's like an interesting story about how it came about. So like the it's actually technically the second film that was shot. But for some reason, they had issues with like distribution. So they shot a third film, released that first and then released this one. So in the second film that came out, uh, I forgot what it was called. But in the second one, they actually changed uh, two of the characters. And the only one that came back was the guy that played Colts. And in the third one, they were all three there, so it was kind of weird. But yeah, it was like a weird distribution thing. So I thought that was a cool like backstory. <laughs> Man, I have not seen a Three Ninjas movie since they probably came out on VHS. Dude, you should rewatch. I rewatched the first one not too long ago, and it it still holds up. Like I don't know if it's just a kid in me, but like I love those movies. Yeah. Yeah, of course, and I always get I always get the Three Ninjas series and the Surf Ninjas series mixed up. I think I've heard of Surf Ninjas, but I don't think I've ever seen that though. Sounds like you got something else on your uh, on your list, and it was from the same time period too. I think that Surf Ninjas came out in '93, and I want to say early '90s were the uh, the Three Ninjas movies, right? Yeah, uh, the first one I believe was in like '92 or something. Yeah. All right, that's Three Ninjas. Is I wonder if you can find this on streaming anywhere. I, I didn't even look. I should, but I I I would imagine it's kind of hard to probably find that one. All right, well, let's go to my number five. My my first one here on the list is from 2006, and it's Final Destination 3. Nice, okay. The ones who got off that roller coaster are still going to die. Unless we can figure out how to stop it. I never thought I could see my own death before it happened. 
If you're unfamiliar with the Final Destination premise, essentially you you have these characters that have a premonition right before a, a huge disaster happens and they get all their friends out of that disaster before it happens. But death essentially says, you know what, you got away from me this time, but you're still going to die. And so death kind of comes for them. Yeah. Every one of these movies has a really fantastic opening scene. The first one is on a plane. So he gets all his friends off the plane and then the plane crashes. The second one is really memorable. The second one is a logging truck on a freeway. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one where, you know, every time I see a logging truck when I'm driving, it's like, all right, I got to pass this guy up because I can't have that happening. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think the same thing. Every time I see logs in front of me, I get like this nervous thing where I have to get to the next lane. And that's why. <laughs> and then number three was they upped it again with the roller coaster. So I got to be honest, I never saw three by two. I was a little too. I don't know. Like those movies to me, like gore movies kind of freak me out. So I didn't watch three. I was too scared. Not only does the roller coaster happen, but there's there's some really one of the things about the series is there's really creative deaths. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's also really creative uh, almost deaths. So yeah. You know, you never know what's going to kill somebody. You just know that when somebody dies, it's not going to be normally in a boring way. It's always going to be elaborate. It's like, um, yeah, it's it's almost like a Rube Goldberg machine when these deaths happen. And there's some really memorable ones in the third one. Aside from the roller coaster death, you've got a tanning booth that goes wrong. You've got a weight room where things oh. go down. You've got uh, a a scene with fireworks that is really fun. You know, I will say that that has to be a fun movie to write because that's the entire premise really. So like, it's just a bunch of people in a room. Like what's the most interesting place and way that we can kill someone. Like it's, that's gotta be fun to write. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm actually surprised that they haven't had more of them, especially since the last one, which was number five um, was actually really it was a critically acclaimed movie. I mean, compared to the rest of them, I think it yeah. was highly rated. Wow. Yeah, number three, not highly rated. Still really fun. And you get Mary <laughs> Elizabeth Winstead, who's fantastic in everything. Nice. Yeah, I like her. She's cool. Yeah. So that's my uh, that's my number five, Final Destination three from two thousand six. <laughs> my number four is more okay. So uh, it's not a movie that's great. And I actually will be the first person to say it's not great, but it's a movie that I appreciate for what it is, and I appreciate for all the hate that it receives. Uh, it is Spider-Man 3, the Tobey Maguire. <laughs> I'm going to ask MJ to marry me. A man has to put his wife before himself. Can you do that, Peter? Yeah, I think I can. <laughs> We have some new information. This is your uncle's actual killer. We lost his trail two days ago. This man killed my uncle, and he's still out there. Everybody needs help sometimes, Peter. Even Spider-Man. Revenge is like a poison. It can take us over. Before you know it, 
can turn you into something ugly. The suit. Where'd this come from? The power. Feels good. But you lose yourself to it. Whoa! Spidey, love the new outfit! Remember Ben Parker? What does it matter to you anyway? Everything! Do you want to push me away? Why would I want to push you away? I love you. You knew this was coming, Pete. I didn't kill your father! It's the best movie to hate, because, like, there's so many reasons to hate it. It's... It's almost like you watch the first two and then if you watch three, you just go like, Sa like was Sam Raimi taking like new drugs when he made this one? Because like <laughs> it's it's so out there and like the best scene that I think mainly the probably the main reason why most people hate it is the scene where uh, Peter Parker goes emo and he like <laughs> at a jazz club. You seen, yeah, yeah, dude. And he does like dance moves and shit and like walks down the street like he's cool and like flips his hair. And it's like the worst montage ever. But I I honestly couldn't stop watching. I watched it a million times on YouTube after I saw it. It was a <laughs> it's just an amazing movie to hate. And it's like there's so much in it, you know. I loved the first Spider-Man and the second Spider-Man is one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Nice. Yeah. But the third one I really didn't like, and it had a little bit to do with the jazz scene, but also <laughs> it had a lot to do with what I think is probably the studio's interference. Oh, uh, you think that? Yeah. They, they and I've, yeah, I've heard that over the years that they tried to pack a lot of things in because I think he wanted to make it a, a Sandman movie, and I think they wanted to make it a Venom movie. Oh, okay. And so what it sounds like is we just packed everything into one movie, I also think that uh, that Eddie Brock, the Venom character, uh, was severely miscast. Oh, yeah. Topher Grace was a horrible choice. Yeah, and I really do love Topher Grace in the right role. I just don't love him as Eddie Brock. He's not Eddie Brock. He doesn't look like Eddie Brock. He doesn't personify Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock was like a brute, kind of like a just a a big, bulky dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't get that with with Topher Grace. He just kind of looks he looks wimpier than Peter <laughs> Parker, which to me did not work at all. Yeah, that was definitely a sore spot for me because Spider-Man is my all time favorite. And yeah, I I completely agree. He did not uh, match the character at all. I think that Tom Hardy did a better job, but I still didn't. I don't know if I like that movie or not. The Venom one. But yeah, I'm still you know, what? it's still an entertaining movie. If you it like is. the Spider-Man yeah. movies, it's still better than the Amazing Spider-Man movies that came out with uh, Andrew <laughs> Garfield. That is true. <laughs> yes. And then uh, Sandman is a great character too. I think that yeah. he was one of the best parts of that movie, and the uh, the effects the effects that they did for Sandman are really cool too. Yeah. I actually um, just really quickly, uh, I got to I was working in a theater when it came out, so I got to actually this is back when they still use film. I got to actually thread the Spider-Man film and like watch it before it came out. So that was kind of cool. So anyway. Oh, that's a great experience for a Spider-Man fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number four is also from 2006. Uh, just like my last one, a little more on the serious side and a movie that I still really love. It's Mission Impossible 3. Stand by to go live. 
on my mark. Five. You have a, a wife, a girlfriend? Four. Three. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her. Two. I'm gonna hurt her. One. And then I'm gonna kill you right in front of her. What are you not telling me? This series is kind of like a podcast in that it just gets better with age. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, the the last Mission Impossible number six, which is Fallout, is one of my favorite action movies of all time. Haven't seen it yet. It's on my list. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But up in. So if you watched the first one, the first one was pretty good. And it was directed by De Palma. It had a, a more serious edge to it. Mm-hmm. And then we got into number two and then John Woo took over <laughs> and it went to cartoon levels. Oh, man. It started with the hair like they, they had to go with the long hair with Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The early 2000s Tom Cruise long hair. The uh, the eyes wide shut hairdo. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And the the movie was ridiculous. I loved John Woo at the time, and I liked the first Mission Impossible, and I hated Mission Impossible 2, so I was not excited for 3. Mm-hmm. And I remember in 2004 or so, they started announcing that number 3 was coming out, and originally attached to number 3 was David Fincher to direct. Really? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, and then I, I saw I was really excited, and then he dropped out, and then Joe Carnahan, who I loved from uh, NARC, yeah. was set to direct and I was super excited about that and then he was dropped and then it went to JJ Abrams. Okay. And so JJ Abrams directed and it it went from super cartoony to really kind of dark and serious for this third one and it introduced some people into the cast that are amazing. So aside from the people that are always in it like Tom Cruise and Ving Rhames, now you have Simon Pegg coming in. Yeah. You've got Carrie Russell in a small role. You've got Maggie Q in a small role. You've even got Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. I forgot about that. He was in that, huh? <laughs> yep, for a very small role. And then finally, you have one of my favorite villains in the series, Philip Seymour Hoffman, playing oh, yeah. Owen Davian. The movie has Ethan Hunt retired at first, and then he's called back into action to go after uh, Owen Davian. And to me, like when you think of Mission Impossible movies, you always think of the one big stunt. Yeah. So uh, if you watched number four, it's him hanging off the Burj Khalifa. Mm -hmm. If you watch number five, it's him hanging onto the side of an airplane. Number six, there's some 
batshit stunts that um, since you haven't seen it, I'm not going to say, but they're they're <laughs> awesome. And even number one, you think of him coming down on that cable and sn- snapping at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom of the chamber, you know, within an inch of hitting it. Yeah. With this one, the thing I remember most is just an exchange between Ethan Hunt and Owen Davian, where Davian counts down. Uh, he counts from one to ten, and he says, I remember you know, when, I, that. "When I hit ten, I'm going to kill your girlfriend or your yeah. fiance." Yeah, that was an intense scene, dude. Philip Seymour Hoffman is like was amazing in that. He was, he was, and he's one of the main things that I love about Number Three. He was just so formidable, and oh, that scene is so memorable. And it's not a big stunt; it's just a small character piece that is so good between Tom Cruise and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, oh, I wish we got to see more of Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was oh, so good. man. I feel like it, it. It's almost in the way that when you watch Bond movies, you kind of look out for who the bad guy is. Sort of. Uh, that was what drew me to the third one was that Philip Seymour Hoffman was playing the 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 main bad guy. I was like, I have to watch this one. So. Yeah, so good. Not my favorite Mission Impossible movie as a whole, but yeah, it, it was the installment that brought energy back into the series, gave it new life. I think if they screwed up number three, like they screwed up number two we would never have gotten five and six. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, Mission Impossible 3 from 2006. My number three is a uh, good film. I'll just say it. It's The Dark Knight Rises. Did they kill him? I'm not sure. Huh. Why didn't you just kill me? Your punishment must be more severe. you think he's coming back? I don't know. Why would you run, Bane? You should be as afraid of him as I am. I won't bury you. I've buried enough members of the Wayne family. You don't owe these people anymore. You've given them everything. Not everything. Not yet. You know, I watched, um, uh, obviously, all the Batman, the newer Batman, the Christopher Nolan Batman films. So the Batman Begins. Um, I think for a while, uh, Dark Knight was my favorite just because of the Heath Leather, Heath Ledger Joker. Um, really great role. Uh, Dark Knight Rises, though, um, I think, I, f- I feel like I've come back to it more times than the other ones. And I just really like the way that Bane was portrayed in it. And I think one of the fav- my favorite lines from it that I often say, and I think that one of the marks of a great movie is when you leave the theater and that movie stays with you. And like, I literally like once a month, I'll say something to someone and I'll, I'll, or someone will say something to me and I'll be like, Oh, you, uh, you, I was, uh, what was it? Um, uh, you, you merely adapt. Like I was born in the darkness. You adapted to it or something like that. That, that line. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite lines of any movie for some reason. <laughs> it's like a really good line, but yeah. Uh, dark Knight rises, I think was a really great one in the trilogy. Yeah, this is one that I saw in theaters twice. I saw it here, nice. and then I also saw it in Mexico. Really? 
Yeah, the theater that I saw it in Mexico, I'll never forget. It was one of the coolest theaters I've ever been to. It was the first one of the first theaters I saw that had like the lean back leather chairs and nice a, a full IMAX screen that just looked amazing. Uh, such yeah. a cool experience. <laughs> I agree with you. Cool. I think Bane is a great villain. Yeah, I, I did think it. I don't know how I felt about the. Um... There, there was like a, the whole thing with the mask, I think, um, where you could barely understand them. And like Christopher Nolan was like, no, 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 keep it in. It's authentic. And like they they wanted to like, I guess, uh, do ADR or something, but they didn't like the Christopher Nolan didn't want them to do it. I think I'm correct in that, like where they just kind of took the audio directly from like him talking through the mask or whatever, which is kind of cool. I actually kind of liked the weird kind of cartoony accent that he puts on. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a, like an old timey, like villain, you know, <laughs> it is like the mush mustache <laughs> twisting. Exactly. That's what I was thinking of in my head was the mustache. like twist. Yeah. The only problem I had with dark Knight rises, and this is why I think the dark Knight personally is a better film is mm-hmm. Batman's strategy in the dark Knight rises infuriated me in that (laughs) he fights bane the first time and he's like okay punching him in the face doesn't really work Mm -hmm. and in the comics batman would go back to the drawing board and say okay i've got to be smarter to beat bane yeah in the movie his strategy the second time around is to punch bane in the face (laughs) and i always kind of got infuriated with that but um, that's it's a good still point. Really well made movie great characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I also think it's the one that introduced um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, correct, uh, as the potential. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he's going to be like Nightwing or something. I'm, I haven't really kept up with it or. Yeah. If yeah, if they ever get around to doing another one, I believe he is supposed to be Nightwing um, or Robin. Who knows? Yeah. One of those. Um, but yeah, those I, I kind of um, wish there were more Christopher Nolan um, superhero films. I like the way he yeah. did it. Yeah, I've never seen a Christopher Nolan film that I didn't like. There's some that I like more than others, but I've never seen one that I didn't like though. So yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, my number three is I think if we're gonna have any crossover, I think this would be the one that would cross over because I think it's one of the most popular third movies in a franchise that there is it's from 2010 toy story 3 don't you get it we're finished obsolete over the hill now come on guys we all knew this day was coming we're getting thrown away no no one's getting thrown away we ain't ever getting played with hold on this is no time to be hysterical it's the perfect time to be hysterical should we be hysterical now yes maybe but not right now come on let's see how much we're going for an ebay Toys! Yes, I'm gonna get played with! Where's my nose? Here it is. Here's your arm. Give me that. That's Honey, mine. The mustache? We're busting out of here. One, three. One, three. Whoa! Two, infinity. And beyond! I didn't even think of that, but that's a, that's a good one. Oh man, Toy Story 3. (laughs) If you'd have told me that I would be crying in a movie theater during a movie about (laughs) animated toys, I'd have said you were crazy. But here we are. I think everybody's seen the Toy Story franchise and everybody knows who Woody and Buzz are. Yeah. 
great characters, but they're toys. And most of the time people grow out of their toys. And this movie was exactly that. It was, you know, Andy, who we first saw in 1996 as a kid. Now he's going to college. And it's like, you know, what happens to your toys when you go to college? Like, who do they go to? What happens? And man, it's such a good movie. And, you know, the the passing of the torch to somebody else is perfect. The ending is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you're sitting there watching this Pixar movie and you're thinking, well, I know that nobody's going to die. But <laughs> yeah. you're still gripping the edge of your chair like, wait a minute. Are, are they going to kill somebody off? <laughs> and then, you know, see, so you have amazing suspense scenes that still like, I can just think about certain scenes in this film and get choked up. And then you have Woody's final line, you know, so long partner that just perfectly wraps up the series. Yeah. Just a great movie in general. To me, I think it's the best toy story film in the, out of the four movies. Mm-hmm. I thought number four was good, but I really think that it should have just ended with three. It was such a perfect wrap up to the series. I agree. And I honestly, like two didn't really grab me that much. I didn't really like two. As I like one and three the most, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And if and if you compare the animation too, you can see how far they'd come from 2000 or from 96 till 2010. Yeah. Yeah. There's YouTube videos that kind of outline how far the animation has come. And it's it's incredible. It looks great. This is one of those movies that my two-year-old is obsessed with, so it's on constantly at the house. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the only ones where I don't care that it's on because yeah. every scene is great. I, I I can watch it and not get tired of it. So yeah, it's Toy Story 3 from 2010. I totally understand that because I stayed with my um, <clears throat> my sister for a while and my nieces are both like five and seven, or they were at the time. And that was on like repeat the whole time I was there. So that's why I, I've seen Toy Story 3 many times. Yeah. So yeah. good. <laughs> and if you want to watch it, it's on uh, Disney Plus, like all of Pixar's oh, nice. stuff. So yeah, yeah go um, catch up on the Toy Story series. You will not be disappointed. It's good for any age. Uh, anybody will love, will love them. Yeah. It's one of those like type of movies. Yeah, definitely. So for my number two, I went a little bit more artsy. Um, this one, I don't know how many people have actually even seen it, but, um, I'm a huge fan of, I actually wanted to be a director too, like in school. Um, so I kind of was really into directors and like artsy directors. So my, I'm really into Gus Van Zandt's films. Oh yeah. Yeah. He did a trilogy that he calls the, De the death trilogy, um, which I think was the movies elephant, um, last days and echo park or something like that i forgot but there was three films but last days was the last one and last days is a film that he did that was it was sort of a fictionalized uh version of kurt cobain's last days what's going on at the house anyway who's all over there what do you guys do all the time are you going to play the tour it's going to be a shame if you don't make these days have you talked to your daughter? Do you say I'm sorry? And I'm a rock and roll cliche. Hey, bro. Me, Donovan. We're gonna be implicated and tied up in this whole thing. We need to get out of here. 
car waiting, and I want you to come with me. You can get out of here. It'll be easy. And it had Michael Pitt in it. He played the Kurt Cobain character. And it was basically just like him in this cabin um, up leading up to the point when he committed suicide. And it's just such a like beautifully shot film. I don't know if you've ever watched Gus Van Zandt's films, but he does a lot of long tracking shots where he just follows someone walking for like a long... Oh, no, Jerry was the third one. Sorry. It was Jerry, uh, Last Days, and um, Elephant. And... In all these films, there's like these really beautiful tracking shots where you just follow these characters for like a long period of time. And you kind of just wonder, like, where are they going to go? And I don't know if you've seen Jerry, but that one is literally just like uh, Casey Affleck. And I forgot who else is in it, but they're just walking. It's like Matt Damon, isn't it? Yeah, it's Matt Damon and Casey Affleck, I believe. And they're just like walking through a desert the entire film. <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting film. But like um, Last Days to me was my favorite because I'm a huge Nirvana fan and I'm a huge fan of Kurt Cobain. And it kind of... Even though it wasn't like factual, it was more of a fictionalized version of it. It kind of gave me some sort of like I felt like it gave me some kind of insight of what like Kurt Cobain was potentially going through in his last days. And I kind of connected with him, I think, as a person, musician. Um, So I thought it was a really great film. And I thought Michael Pitt was really good in it, like very um, subdued acting, sort of like a... um, Ryan Gosling and Drive type thing, like where it's like emotionless sort of like acting, yeah. but in a good way though, you know. So this is one that I have not seen, although I know of it. I think that my experience watching Elephant like really yeah. scarred me <laughs> to the point where it's yeah, like, do I want to watch another part of this? Understandable, series? yeah, <laughs> definitely. If you've never seen Elephant, it's about like a it's about a school shooting, and it's, yeah. A lot of it's more realistic and it's got a bunch of actors that you wouldn't know. So it feels even more authentic. And yeah. It just, yeah. Uh, just destroyed me. Honestly, for me, it was Jerry because Jerry, I, I forgot. I think that was the second film or first. Maybe I'm not sure. But Jerry was first. And then. It yeah. Was OK. Gotcha. Days. Yeah. Because Jerry literally like there's scenes in it where there was a shot. I, I believe that was like a 12 minute shot of just them walking. No dialogue. They're just walking through the desert and his whole goal was to make the viewer feel the same sort of like anxiety and stuff that they're feeling. And it worked because I was like, why are we doing this? Why are we watching them walk through the desert for this <laughs> long? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Van Zandt has a, he has a really uh, interesting filmography. Like he yeah. goes from doing stuff like Goodwill Hunting and the Psycho remake. Yeah. The shot for shot remake that he did. <laughs> Yeah, and then he does Jerry and Elephant. <laughs> I don't think I've, I haven't seen any of his movies probably since I would, looking through, I mean, yeah, probably since uh, Goodwill Hunting. I haven't, oh no, since Elephant, I haven't seen anything else. Yeah. I would say, like, if you go through his catalog, Goodwill Hunting to me is the most commercial of his films. The rest of them are kind of like out there, sort of. <laughs> Milk is pr- milk was pretty commercial. Yeah, too. yeah, that too. Yeah, cool. So that's uh, last days from two thousand five. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, cool. I didn't see a date on that one, but I believe it was around that time. Yeah. All right, my number two. Let's get to my superhero movie because I had to have a superhero movie on here mm. from two thousand seventeen, and it is Logan. Logan. 
much as you do. Charles, the world is not the same as it was. Mutants. They're gone now. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real what is she beneath the she's like you of time very much like you the feelings disappear she needs our help you are someone to come along someone has come along I am still right here and you could have it all my empire of dirt I will let you down I will make you hurt nice that's actually I forgot about that one that's actually a really good film yeah Sometimes you forget that it's a trilogy because you have Wolverine Origins and then you have The Wolverine and then you have Logan. If you'd have told me that I'd be crying in a theater during a Marvel movie, I'd have said you were crazy. (laughs) But again, here we were. First it was toys and now it's a superhero movie. How familiar are you with the X-Men movies? I am very familiar. I am a huge fan. Um, I was excited when they said Gambit was coming, but it never really fully did. But anyway, yeah. I always thought during the X-Men movies that Hugh Jackman's Wolverine character, it's always been the best part of the movies for me. Yeah. (laughs) And his standalone movies were kind of a letdown. Uh, Wolverine Origins, I thought was terrible. It's a horrible film. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It was so bad. That's that's the one that uh, they introduced Deadpool in. Oh, my God. had his mouth sewn shut. Do we even have to mention that? Like, I promised myself I would never talk about that again. And yeah, with the Deadpool movies out now, it's it's oh, easy to forget wow. that he debuted in Wolverine Origins, and it was just awful. I think whoever's idea that was, um, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say they should be shot. I don't know. I just think, <laughs> definitely <yeah>. fired. <laughs> yeah, they definitely fired, at least. And then you have the Wolverine, which this is when James Mangold came in, and the Wolverine was... I thought a pretty decent movie, but it still had a lot of problems. It wasn't, I didn't walk out of the theater thinking that was amazing, but I remember walking yeah. out of the theater thinking, well, that was better than Wolverine Origins. So when Logan was announced, I wasn't super excited for it, but then I saw there that it was getting really great reviews. And I remember one of the reviews saying that they wouldn't be shocked if Logan had an Academy Award nomination for wow. Best Picture and Best Screenplay. And that's when I got really excited. Wow, nice. It's a different feel than the other movies. It's set in the near future where mutants are basically all gone. And he's living in exile with Professor X, whose health is worsening over time. He's having seizures. And this mysterious young woman asks Logan to essentially take this young girl to safety. And then all hell breaks loose. And this thing is definitely rated R. (laughs) it earns the rating it is super violent uh the action scenes are incredibly badass there's this whole scene set at a barn or like a farm type of place that is amazing yes 
and it's got it's got surprises that happen in there. It's got characters that die that you wouldn't expect. It's again, it's one of these movies that made me tear up. It made me cry during a, a superhero movie. And oh man, it's just, it's such a good flick. Yeah. There's a lot of effects in here where time slows down that blew my mind seeing that in a theater. Yeah, the, the I think two of the coolest things for me when I watched it was right before I watched it, I had just started reading the the Old Man Logan comic books, I think. And it, it kind of reminded me of those a little bit because he was a little bit older and he was, you know, whatever. But um, and also um, just the fact that it was rated R like that, that to me made me think, OK, maybe this might be better than the other ones, because this is the other ones are rated PG-13, I believe. And this yeah, is like they the were. first. Yeah, this was the first R rated one. So I was like, OK. Maybe they'll do it right. So, yeah. <laughs> the little girl in this movie is so badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to see a solo movie with her. That would uh, be good, yeah. Hopefully we get to see that. It's it's a smaller story, and I think that's the kind of story that I like with my comic book movies is I don't want every comic movie to be the world's going to blow up if we don't stop the villain. Yeah. And this is just, I want to get this girl from one place to the other. And... There's a lot of heart in it. It's got a really touching ending. It's just such a good movie, just in general. You don't even have to be a comic book fan, and you yeah. don't have to have seen the first two to watch the third one to appreciate it. It's a very Wolverine movie, like Wolverine protecting a little girl. Like It's it's that like beast kind of, and then they show the soft side of him because he always protects like the, I don't know. Yeah, I love Wolverine. He's great. <laughs> Yeah, so that's Logan 2017, and it's probably still to this day. Between that, Spider-Man 2 and The Dark Knight, those are my top three superhero movies of all time. I would say it's definitely um, up there for me. Um, but like like I said, I completely forgot about it until you mentioned it. But now that you mentioned it, I really want to watch it again. So yeah. Um, totally worth it. Yeah. Um, we're down to my number one, right? On to the number one. All right, my number one is an older film from the 60s. It is a very well-known trilogy. It is known as the Man With No Name trilogy by Sergio Leone, I believe. And yeah, and it was The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which was the third film in that series. The Good. The Bad. The ugly. The blue. The gray. The Civil War. I'd seen... I actually... Haven't seen, I'll be honest, I haven't seen all of For a Few Dollars More, but I have seen A Fistful of Dollars. And um, I've seen The Good and the, the Bad and the Ugly a few times. Um, and to me, it's just a really great film. Almost like equally for the music than uh, also for like the scenes and the way that it was shot. But the music was great too. Like I, I used to have the that that main song that I... Wow, wow, wow. That was my ringtone for a while after oh, nice. seeing that movie. <laughs> but just like classic Clint Eastwood playing a classic uh, Western dude outlaw. Um, 
this is a great film just a great film great western if you love westerns especially like older westerns i'm not a huge fan of older westerns but this is one of the few that i can watch over and over again it's one of the quintessential westerns so if you are a fan of westerns you've definitely seen it and if you're not a fan of westerns but are looking to get into westerns this is where you should start absolutely and i think that um and like as far as like the spaghetti western aspect of it um it it influenced i think a lot of tarantino's movies later on and i'm a huge tarantino fan so that also kind of ties together yeah this one was very close to making my list and it pained me to leave it off but the reason i left it off is because i wanted all of mine i didn't want uh unrelated films as a trilogy i wanted films that like had a sequence to them and yeah Mm -hmm. This is the Man with No Name trilogy, but Clint Eastwood plays a different character in each one. That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't put it on mine, but yeah, it was. It's one of the first ones that came to my mind when you said best third films in a trilogy. This is actually me too. That's that's, that's (laughs) my number one is also a little bit older from 1989. This is definitely the movie on my list that I've seen the most times. And like you with Pulp Fiction, you watch Pulp Fiction every year on your birthday. Mm. I watch this every year during December. Oh. Christmas vacation. Tis the season to be jolly. After vacationing across America and throughout Europe, this holiday season, the Griswolds are going to play it safe. Clark, we're stuck under a truck. They're staying at home. I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. Hope you're not getting sap all over your sweater, Clark. All Clark wants is a quiet, old-fashioned Christmas. Sorry. Got a little knot here. You can work on that. What he's going to get is the gift that keeps on living. Merry Christmas. His family. We didn't come to impose. <laughs> oh, hell, there's plenty of room. Do you sleep with your brother? Do you know how sick and twisted that is, Mom? Well, I'm sleeping with your father. Have you got a kiss for me? Eh, you better take a rain check on that, Art. He's got a lip fungus they ain't identified yet. But no holiday could ever be more deeply touching. We were gonna call, but... Eddie wanted to make it a surprise. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. <laughs> ah, I'm really gonna fly down the hill with this stuff. So genuinely moving. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead. More truly uplifting. Can I show you something? I was just blouse browsing. Or more down to earth. If Santa is smart, he'll stay well clear of this joint. It's a death trap. Then Christmas with the Griswolds. Everybody come out quick, look at the lights! They want you to say grace. Nice. (laughs) So this is the follow-up to National Lampoon's Vacation and then National Lampoon's European Vacation. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming that you've seen Christmas Vacation. I've seen them all, yeah. <laughs> uh, this essentially documents the month of December leading up to the Griswold family Christmas. He's having all of his in-laws over and his family over, and he decides instead of leaving for vacation, I want everybody to come to my house. And, oh, it's it's so funny. The 
it it gets kind of goofy sometimes. The physical comedy is really goofy, but the verbal gags for me hit way harder. And the characters are all characters that if you've watched the Vacation series, you're already in love with. Yeah, it's I was I was actually uh, rewatching it. It's funny to see Elaine from Seinfeld, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus in there as Margot, the next door neighbor. So many quotable lines, so many unforgettable scenes. If you've ever hosted a holiday, this is so relatable. Yeah, yeah. I never have, but I can imagine. But yeah, it's it's been so long since I've seen that film. I, I that's another one. Like the, I think the one thing I've gotten out of this podcast so far is that I need to rewatch a lot of films because yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. Well, that's the good thing about you know long gaps in watching films that you forget what happens, so it's yeah, kind of brand new yeah. to you again. Mm-hmm. I used to have a rule where. Um, I would any film that I would rent or buy, I would require myself to watch it three times and like right one after the other, just because I knew the first time you watch it, you're not going to catch everything. So like I would watch it again just to see what I would miss the first time and then watch it a third time just to like make sure I didn't miss anything. That's how like into films I was back in the day. I used to do the same thing with, uh, but I would do, so I'd watch the movie and then I'd watch it again with the director's commentary on. Oh, to okay. kind of learn more about it. That makes sense, yeah. Going back through my list real quick as a recap, I had Final Destination 3, Mission Impossible 3, Toy Story 3, Logan, and Christmas Vacation. Um, I had Three Ninjas Knuckle Up, uh, Spider-Man 3, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, Last Days by Gus Van Zandt, and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. It's crazy that we didn't have any crossover on Yeah, I thought that I kind of actually tried to not go as mainstream and try to find some more obscure ones just to not have crossovers. So maybe that's why. (laughs) Were there any that uh, that nearly made your list, but just couldn't make the uh, couldn't make the cut? Um, There was one that almost made it and it was more because I hated the film and I thought that that was not (laughs) a good reason. So it was look who's talking now. Oh my gosh! There's a great if you've ever if anyone's ever listened to um, not to plug a random podcast, but um, how did this get made? They have an episode. Oh, I love that podcast. Yeah, they have an episode about that, and it's a great episode. It cap it encapsulates everything that's wrong with that movie, and it's just so bad. I had a couple that almost made my list, but didn't. Back to the Future Three, and the one that was really close was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Thanks for uh, coming on and talking third films in franchises with me. I know you have your podcast. Why don't you kind of give us a pitch for your podcast and tell people why they should switch from this podcast right now and start listening to yours? (laughs) Well, I don't know if you should switch, but um, you definitely should. Um, So at the beginning of listening to this podcast, you should turn it off immediately and go listen to, I'm just kidding, go listen to the trash podcast. We have new episodes every Monday. Uh, we basically just every week we pick a show uh, that we're going to watch out of our trash bin, which has a bunch of shows in it, reality shows. And we watch it, we review it, and we play games. We like sing fun songs and things. It's crazy. It's fun. It's funny. Um, check us out. We're everywhere that you listen to podcasts, uh, the trash podcast. So, yeah. And it's a really fun listen to, even if you're not into the reality shows. I'm not into the reality shows, but the songs that you guys come up with were just cracking me up. So, at least go listen for the songs they do uh, <laughs> trash news as well which is you know just skewering the things that uh 
are going on in the world. So go yeah. check out the Trash Podcast, and you can find that. I'm guessing anywhere fine podcasts are sold. Yeah, and or you can just go directly to thetrashpodcast.com, and we have a player there too. So yeah. Remember, anybody can be a guest on this show. The only requirement is that you love movies. If you have a five list that you want to talk on air with me, email me at force5podcast at gmail.com or head to the website force5podcast.com, which has a show request form and other Force 5 related stuff. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and watch movies. What I need is a woman who can think and fight and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> Force 5